Geopolitics and Empire is joined by Makia Freeman, who's the editor of the independent news site, The Freedom Articles, author of the book, Break Your Chains, Exposing the Grand Conspiracy and Presenting the Way Out, the Controversial Truths Revealed book series and senior researcher at toolsforfreedom.com. We've spoken once before on TNT Radio, but welcome for the first time to Geopolitics and Empire. Yeah, good morning, Hiroe. Thanks for having me. Uh, I've I've got a copy of your book. I've been reading it. It's it's uh, really good. It's lengthy, but it really covers the waterfront, and so I'd recommend it uh, for people to check it out. Uh, and before getting into some of the topics, you know, I, I gave your brief bio. Is there you know anything else you'd like to add about yourself? So I've been researching the worldwide conspiracy full time for um, probably about at least sixteen years now. I'd say, but you know, it's hard to say exactly when it started, but. Um, you know, I'm just very curious and I love going down rabbit holes and finding out what's really going on. I don't like being lied to. So when I started learning about this stuff, it just took me into all these areas. And so my book is really just an attempt to cover all the different areas of the conspiracy because they all connect together, in my opinion, whether it's genetically modified food or censorship or the climate change thing or the COVID scandemic or um, <clears throat> multipolarity or um secret black military operations at all it's actually all one force at the center that's coordinating all of this and it's leading us into trying to push us into a, a worldwide dictatorial fascist one world government and so that's what i'm trying to warn people about and also present the solutions of what we can do to do to stop it yeah i mean you you flesh that out and um you know just like yourself probably around the same time i've been looking at this stuff from for 15 20 years uh and you know coming to similar conclusions and i i like how you see i think it was you that said you don't like to call them uh elites uh you know i, I i'd rather i'll we can call them the degenerates that, that that rule us but uh you know just to start to get your overarching big picture view so you know obviously there is a new world order there's this degenerate elite class that you know my focus has always been world government because i think everything else everything that's going on serves that purpose they want you can call it whatever you want global governance world government world federalism world states you know many synonyms so uh you know where do we start when we talk about this and and, th and this goes back you know centuries maybe even thousands of years this this project so your thoughts on the new world order yeah so that that phrase the new world order comes directly from this ruling class they've used it countless times hitler used it george bush used it gordon brown used it tony blair used it bill clinton used it you can you can find so many people that have used this phrase uh, it's in the back of the one dollar bill, you know. So um, they're basically trying to build this this world where they have total control. It's really all about control and power and things like the accumulation of money, which which is also very important to them, is is a means to get to this control. So um, pe people that have researched it have found that it, they can bring it all the way back to Babylon or even before that. We're talking four to six thousand years when these basically bloodlines started ascending to the positions of power in society, key positions in politics and religion, and they moved around. They were in the Middle East. They moved to Rome. They were behind the Roman Empire. They moved to Britain behind the British Empire. Um, now, now, you know, a lot of them are in Europe and North America and, you know, United States. But um, it's basically these bloodlines that want power above anything else. They're control freaks and they're, they're very intelligent, so they're using all these different methods to basically corral the rest of humanity into this new world that they're planning where it's basically just a world of rulers and slaves, of masters and serfs, and 
Uh, right, like you, like, like you said, there's so many synonyms for it, but at the end of the day, it's really about a, a very tiny amount of, of people controlling the rest of humanity, which is 8 billion strong, and uh, doing it in a, in a way where it's, it's a completely scary way where there's virtually no freedom and, um, you know, uh, different, different books and artists have warned about this, whether it's Aldous Huxley, Huxley with Brave New World, whether it's George Orwell with 1984, uh, or even movies that came from book series like The Hunger Games. We've had lots of different artists and authors warn us about what is coming and what this dystopia could look like. And it's coming into view now in our lifetime. And so that's that's what really is inspiring me and prompting me to to chart all this and to offer the solutions and to to speak out. Because um, if we don't, then we're, we're not going to like what kind of world our children and grandchildren are going to inherit. Yeah. And, you know, I, I've likened it to the Middle Ages, medieval times. And now people, it's being, you know... Uh analysts intellectuals are using the term neo neo feudalism it's exactly as you said they disappear the middle class so it's only serfs and plebes and the aristocracy and you know j just what you mentioned about this going back to ancient times i would agree you know james Lindsay, I, I i'm a fan of his analysis he's recently been giving speeches on all this woke stuff the, the globalism marxism and he i like how he describes it he calls it basically it's this gnostic cult that created marxism and all this other stuff uh, and that it, it's this Gnostic cult that he he traces it back even to the Garden uh, of even Eden um, uh, potentially, and so um, yeah, a lot of people are coming to this same conclusion. You you discussed in your book as well. Now it's becoming evident these degenerate elites, uh, for lack of a better term, uh, one of their driving philosophies is eugenics. They're Malthusian. Um, we've seen it over the years, you know, with the German Nazi regime. But that was financed and advised by the American eugenicists. You know, I've, I've had on the program Jewish historian Edwin Black, and he he points that out. And a lot of yeah. people don't realize that the Carnegies and the Fords and the Rockefellers, you know, the first gas chamber was in the U.S. Uh, in the U.S., there were state governors like in the 30s who were going to create concentration camps to exterminate undesirables in America. You know, Edwin Black uh, details this. And so this goes back a, a long time. And now, you know, Edwin Black also used the term Eugenics, and we're seeing with the operation COVID nineteen eighty four, they're really pushing this this eugenics to sterilize people, to alter their DNA, uh, and and who who knows exactly what else. So your your, your thoughts on uh, eugenics? Yeah, it's a very important very important connection to make. And so people that are new to this may may react with shock of like, what are you talking about? How could the green movement, the environmental mental movement, possibly be related to eugenics? Well, it is, and the the connection is through the the club of rome and a document they put out and also just through the theme of depopulation so basically the club of rome put out something saying that we need and 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 just for a bit of background the club of rome is one of these key think tanks and organizations that makes up the round table and that comes out of um cecil rhodes the rhodesian round table he was a, a racist british colonialist that exploited africa in the late 1800s uh, he died a very wealthy man. He was connected with the Rothschilds, and then he bequeathed his um, massive fortune to, to pushing some of this agenda, which is basically the New World Order agenda. He's just another key figure in it. So um, the Club of Rome kind of comes from all of this. But, uh, yeah, it put out a document saying that we need some kind of new global threat for humanity to unite behind, and they came up with the idea that humanity itself should be the threat. And, and this, this plays out in how, 
you know, this this anti-human agenda, uh, this this anti-human hatred of like, oh, humans are killing the planet. There's too many of us. Um, we've got to depopulate and color our numbers, or we're going to destroy the planet. Like all of this nonsense, which is um, complete nonsense. There's there's no evidence for it, but they they keep pushing this, and so this is what is actually fueling uh, a lot of these green policies. And and you see that there's certain really extreme groups that pop up, like Extinction Rebellion in the UK, Just Stop Oil, where they're they're just basically finding really young people that don't know any of this that think they're doing something noble and they're basically programming them they're hijacking their desire to be an activist or to do something to save the planet and they're just using them to further the agenda um but but that's that's what's really behind it when you investigate these these um all these green policies because they don't make any scientific sense and one of the biggest ones that, that doesn't make any sense is this whole attack on carbon about how carbon is a pollutant and we've got to reduce carbon. And they're, they're just, they've just gone um, full steam ahead with it. And they're trying to create a fake carbon economy based on how much carbon you use and introduce carbon allowances and all of this. And it's it's based on absolute nonsense. It's based on this idea that somehow putting out more carbon or carbon dioxide into the atmosphere is bad for the planet when it is not. And in fact, if our carbon dioxide levels get too low, and I, I talk about this in one of my books, that if it gets below 150 parts per million, plants will st start dying off, and then we're going to start dying off quickly after that. And so trying to push carbon dioxide down is, is a really bad idea. There have been uh, periods in the Earth's history when carbon dioxide's levels have been higher, and plant growth flourished. And then humanity flourished because we rely on the plants. It's 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 obvious and it's simple, but yet they're taking something that's part of the natural cycle of life and a, a natural part of the earth and they're demonizing it. And um, it's no coincidence as well that all animals, including, including humans, breathe out carbon dioxide. So they're literally attacking the stuff that we're breathing out that we need to survive. I mean, the, the whole thing is really insane. Yeah. And I think all these threads come together where, you know, it's operation COVID. Uh, you got a chapter on that. And then the green agenda they're both eugenics programs. Um, they've got different, you know, levels of uh, variables, but also the, you know, the transgender stuff, if, if you put them all together, a lot of the policies are to decrease the population, whether it's yeah. the people, people don't fulfill their natural roles of male or female. They don't get together and have families and get married and have kids. Climate change says don't have kids. Uh, COVID injections prevent you and <laughs> prevent you <laughs> from having kids, uh, uh, for for some folks, so that's you know all across the board. It's eugenics, and and you know my thought when it came to COVID, I always thought that there was no pandemic. And then you know when I've had interviews like with Francis Boyle, where he was saying it was a bioweapon. For me, the point there was that that was proof that it was planned. So my proof that this whole whatever COVID was was planned, and that the goal had always been basically to bring in the 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 algorithm ghetto this this control grid and you, you allude to that as well in your book uh the, the the plans to bring in this technocracy digital passports digital ids and so for me for me out of everything this seems to be you know in my top three list of of dangers is this technocratic control system because it's coming to every na nation there's no no way to escape it you know if there's a war in ukraine you know the ukrainians are leaving and you know some i've i've met some recently in mexico here so, you know, you can escape war, you can escape economic impoverishment, go to a country that's that's wealthier and, and find a job there, but you can't escape the control grid. So what, what are your thoughts on this whole control system? You know, you got CBDCs, digital IDs, AI, uh, surveillance. You talk about that in your book as well. 
Yeah, this is this is a, a coming feature of what's what they're, what they're trying to implement with the new world order. And you're right, it is worldwide. They're trying to get every single planet, uh, sorry, every single nation on the planet under this system. And um, for nations that don't want to do it, then they have ways of making them, you know, bribing them, killing their leaders, bringing them into the system in one way or another. And then there's sim- then there's ways where they're simply trying to cover the whole planet in um, Wi-Fi, like these ideas of beaming, having low low Earth orbit satellites and beaming down Wi-Fi. So that's more surveillance. So that basically you're not going to be able to es- escape the grid in some way or another. It's a it's a, it's a very scary prospect. It's it's and it's it's happening right now as we speak. It, it definitely got accelerated during the scandemic because then they had an excuse. They simply just said, "Oh, well, we have to." track all the infected people or the people that could be infected or and, and then they brought brought in these more nonsense concepts of um asymptomatic infection like well you don't actually have any symptoms but you could be carrying the virus so therefore we need to surveil you so it's just any excuse will do for them um and that's that's why it's so important that we speak up now because they are laying down this grid in every country like look at all the countries that are rolling out pilot programs for CBDCs so there's not going to be anywhere where you can simply run and hide. We're going to have to turn as a collective humanity and face this wherever we are and stop this system being implemented in our um, locality or our region or our country. It's it's becoming so normalized. I was having dinner here in Mexico the other weekend with Ben Barty of Armageddon Pros. He's been a guest on my TNT show, does, does good work. And the place we went to, you know, no menus, again, just QR codes. Yeah, I, I don't always have my phone with me, but I had it this time and it was on the table. And it was difficult to explain briefly uh, to the to the waitress. Uh, I don't do QR codes. It's because they can't compute. You know, if you say I don't have my phone, I can't do the QR code. Okay, they'll understand. But the fact that my phone is there and I refuse to scan the QR code, like mm. from their mind, they can't really compute. But he's got a phone. Why won't he scan it? You know, I'm like, I'm not participating in this system. They can't understand it. The, the NPC normies, you know, and so. It's it's getting more difficult, but we have to keep pushing back. Um, I, I did not scan the QR code. I just uh, <laughs> ordered something uh, otherwise. But uh, you also get into a part of this is is geoengineering. You talk about GMOs, big agra, um, and they're, they're poisoning poisoning us from all levels. And then you know, I, I do also want to jump to Hawaii because that, that that's where you live. And we had what recently transpired in in, in Hawaii. In many ways, it's related to the green agenda. Maybe it was started by arson. Um, there are direct energy weapons. And again, this is not conspiracy theory. Literally a week after the Hawaii situation, I saw on official news, official news, the Pentagon and then British Ministry of Defense both say, we are working on accelerating the development of do direct energy weapons from officially from the UK and American government. And so um, your thoughts on on. Um, the geoengineering, and then if you can also give us your thoughts as to what happened in Hawaii. Sure, yeah. So the geoengineering has been going on a very long time. <clears throat> the, I mean, if, if you actually want to go back and look at control of the weather, there's evidence that this was happening way back in the 1950s even with the British and US militaries then. But certainly they they started increasing it and started doing experiments. They definitely were using it during the Vietnam War in the 60s and 70s. They were experimenting. They were also... Um, using horrible chemicals that Monsanto was helping to make to, you know, defoliate the jungle in Vietnam, um, like DDT, things like that. So there's always, that's that's what I was saying earlier, that when you start researching all this stuff, you see that there's 
connections that go between all these different things, whether it's big pharma and big agra or big tech and uh, some other part of the government or the military and this. Like there's, it, there's a coordinating force at the very top that's using all of these parts of the government and all these multinational corporations to push out this, this agenda. So, yeah, geoengineering is, um, you know, it's it's ongoing. I don't know how much more attention has been brought to it in the last decade or two. I mean, I hope more people know about it. It's still crazy to me that there's people that deny it when we have all these government officials that, that have openly admitted it. They've used different terms to talk about it. Uh, the former CIA director, John Brennan, he talked about stratospheric aerosol injection, SAI, so they've used that term. Um, Bill Gates has talked about it. Um, David Keith, of course, has talked about it, but they they like to sometimes pretend that, oh, well, we could do this. This is one thing we're thinking about when actually they've been doing it all this time. And, and this is just another cover to kind of misdirect people. But um, some of the best information about, about this was actually the, the, you know, the movies with Geo Edward Griffin and Michael Murphy, What in the World Are They Spraying? And they went to Maui, speaking of Hawaii, they went to Maui and they started looking at the palm trees there and ripping off the, off the bark and it was just coming off. And they were like, wait a minute, this isn't normal. And then they started doing the analyses and they found that barium, strontium and aluminium or aluminum were the three metals that were, that were basically being sprayed and they were showing up in people's blood and in their hair and um, in, the, in the soil and all of this. And that's, so that's where people started to learn, oh, wait a minute, if, if there's like high strontium, barium and aluminium in um, whatever it is, uh, that's, that's evidence that chemtrails, geoengineering has been happening. So we've known about this for a while. Um, I, I think that they're personally using this technology in conjunction with other technologies to achieve certain purposes. So to segue into the directed energy weapons, there's evidence that they sprayed the um, aluminium a day before on Maui because it's an accelerant. And then there you've got little bits of metal all, all around sitting on whatever it is, cars, houses, trees. So then the next day when they hit uh, Lahaina with the directed energy weapon, basically the microwave laser beam, then it's way easier for things to catch on fire. And and so this happens a lot when when um, you dig into the conspiracy and you see more connections of how, how, how they're doing this. But um, but yes, the directed energy weapons is no is is like you say it's no conspiracy theory. It's a conspiracy fact. So actually, in my book, which came out before uh, this incident in Lahaina, I have pictures and and the end of one chapter is talking about how in California, in Santa Rosa, and in Paradise, twenty seventeen and twenty eighteen, they they did this to towns there. They totally demolished the, the the town, took out a lot of the houses, but there were other houses that were that were intact even with wooden fences and plastic parts of the house completely intact, standing next to a property that was completely raised to the ground where there's just ash, there's nothing. And, and you, you see weird pictures of streets where there is um, three houses completely demolished, then a house standing, then another three houses demolished, then a, then, a, then a house standing. And it's like the fire somehow jumped from one house to another over, over a house. The trees are left intact somehow, so the fire didn't burn wood, but yet glass and metal is destroyed. So that's the telltale sign of this of this weaponry. It can it can pulverize glass, it can melt metal. So it needs to be at certain temperatures that are at least twelve hundred, but probably more like two thousand, two thousand seven hundred Fahrenheit. Um, so this is the kind of temperatures it can get to. Yet it is not um, burning wood and plastic, which has got a much much lower melting temperature so that's that's the clue here that's the same thing that happened in Lahaina if you look at the pictures you can see this molten aluminium you know running down the roads on the asphalt from the cars and you can even see it in cars that were 
uh, one or two miles away from the center of Lahaina where, where there was no fire. It was as though someone was testing it on a car there. Um, it's very scary. I, I, I see some positive points that um, people on Maui and in Hawaii have, have woken up to this. There's a lot of people that, are, that, that know that it wasn't just a natural forest fire, that that's impossible, that it, that doesn't explain the damage. Yeah, I've seen people pushing back. I mean, then they brought in the checkpoint, you know, police state out there in, in Hawaii. Like people, they they block people from leaving. They people couldn't go to their own houses. Like absolutely insane. That alone, again, that alone tells you this is not normal or natural. What transpired? Same thing with COVID. You know, the fact that we had a totalitarian system come into play. That alone, we can forget everything else. That alone um, tells you that something is 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 up and you mentioned g edward griffin got to hang out with him over a decade ago he bought me lunch and uh that film what in the world of spring i think i had initially helped to, to finance it you know I, I mean people at the time you know you give 100 bucks or whatever but i i interviewed michael the late michael j murphy and his meteorologist scott i'm forgetting his last name over a decade ago it's on the old channel dissident thinker before that became geopolitics and empire uh so yeah they did a lot of great work um I wanted to get back to the world government aspect because now we've got United Nations, European yep. Union, World Economic Forum. Um, myself, having studied this from a you know Christian perspective, is I find that I believe from the very so, some people sort of give this benefit of the doubt to these organizations, and I believe from their inception, you know, the, the UN, NATO, I believe was was set up as a globalist program to become the world army to the un world government uh the eu is also trying to expand and they try to they bet on different horses so i'm seeing now the eu is expanding like crazy you know m maybe they're betting on both the un and the eu maybe they think U un will fail we'll go with the eu or eu fails we go with the un in any case the eu is the blueprint for uh technocratic world government i always say that and now you're seeing in in the mexican president literally said Let's replicate the EU and integrate Canada, USA, Mexico. El Salvador's president said that two months ago. He said, let's, he literally, they literally say, let's replicate the EU in Central America. And the South American leaders have said the same thing. Southeast Asian Union exists. You know, the Russians and the Central Asians are, are pushing the Eurasian Union. So, um, any further thoughts on world government? You, you also talk about it's interesting, you know, World War Three and how. You do have the Western part of the world government pushing for conquest over Eurasia. Um, I had on Francis Boyle a couple of years back, and he said exactly that, that the final end game is Russia, China, and Iran. Uh, and so, you know, thoughts on world government as well as World War Three. Yes. Yeah, so world government is is definitely the end goal of this of the, this ruling class. And um, David Icke, I think, is the foremost conspiracy researcher in the world. So he called this out in his books decades ago that basically they create these regional organizations like the EU, the African Union, um, that, you know, they do similar things in Central Asia, South America, like and then they try to combine them all. So they gradually consolidate power into more and more regional organizations all the way up to when they're trying to create a world government. So that's 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 a gradual kind of uh, process that we see. It's the consolidation of power. So um, unfortunately for the people that talk about multipolarity, yes, that's true on one level. On one level, there are countries that are fighting back against um, like the Atlantic, the Atlanticists or the, the kind of traditional power base of like North America and Western Europe. Yeah, there are people, there are 
parts of the world that are pushing back against that and saying, hey, we want a slice of the pie. But um, at the end of the day, China and Russia are the two biggest um, areas or poles or nations, regions that are pushing back against the North Atlantic power base. But China and Russia are very united in their uh, support for the United Nations. They put out a joint statement last year in February, and it said, basically, we, we completely support the UN, we completely support su sustainable development, the SDG, that's the sustainable development goals. They just went on and on. They totally support all the climate change um, agenda uh, policies that are happening. So there, there, there's no real alternative. Russia and China are not a real alternative to the Western-led New World Order. It's 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 the same thing. They're, they're using these different pieces on the chessboard, um, pushing them in different ways, and they will create conflict between them. There's no doubt. But the, the, the goal is always to, to unify them under a one-world government. That's where it's headed. So I just want people to be aware of that as they look at what's happening because yeah there, there there are alliances that form that are forming and yes russia china iran are becoming closer and closer they're going to be very connected militarily economically and they're going to be a real force if 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 there, a war does break out like a military traditional kind of war uh between the us and all its its allies and nato um russia china and iran will be on the other side of it and they'll they'll be a formidable force and i would say they would probably even win um some kind of military war against the the us and nato but the the, the goal is never for it to be for that to be the end that's just a stepping stone to what this ruling class wants so that's important to remember but um as far as uh world war three i i think um, these these new terms that people have come out with with fourth generational warfare and fifth generational warfare are important to understand and then that's the concept that war is no longer just just about what has been done in the trenches it's it's basically now informational war cyber war all these other spheres are part of the war and so we saw that when um russia russia invaded ukraine that suddenly like all these economic and political things were unleashed against russia and in the end they kind of failed but they really tried, tried to take Russia out in all these other ways without, with, with, you know, with the U.S. not directly engaging it um, militarily on the fields. And so that's one example of like where war is at right now is it uses all these other areas. Um, but another aspect of fifth generational warfare is that it's aimed at the average citizen. It's, it's a, like it's an informational war and a perceptional war. So um, when when they first did all these sanctions, uh, the leaders of the Western world were saying, oh, we're doing this to punish Russia. But notice how what happened right after that was everything started going up. Now, there may have already been inflation due to other causes because of the reckless spending that happened during COVID. But basically, they cut themselves off from like Russian supplies and then food, all the basics of life cost more for, for people in the West, whether it was food or fuel or whatever. And so the average citizen was, was paying the bill for, the, for this policy by, by their leaders. And so to me, that was a very poignant example of this is fifth generational warfare. The real warfare is of the governments against their citizens in that country. It's not against um, countries with each other because that's just that, that that's, it's there's an element of that that's performative and there's an element of that that is done for mass consumption, just like George Orwell talked about in 1984 about how there's always a war, there's an endless war and they just change who the enemy is, but they, they need a state of war to uh, for a number of reasons. One is to keep people scared, to, to keep people united behind the government and also to kind of create this constant conflict on the on the road to centralizing power. Yeah, I think you laid it out perfectly. And, you know, Orwell talked about it, how it's about every government individually, the war is every government against its own 
citizens intern internally you know cj hopkins who i've had on he talks about this global cap global capitalism there's nowhere for global cap to go it's taken over the whole planet and so now it's looking inward to us now, again francis boyle in my last interview with him said said the same thing that the chinese and american elites are working together you know the elites are working together against us and i think at this point it's undeniable by now what you said that um there is this friction but it's between two sides that are pro globalists so it's like two cartels fighting each other it's not you know one is good and one is bad they both suck uh and so it's like between a rock and a hard place and as you mentioned everything russia china all the BRICS countries Br lula and brazil came out you know i posted that video on twitter and it got it got it went viral where Lula said they're gonna he's gonna mandate COVID vaccines, especially for the Bolsa Familia, the social welfare program. He literally said, "I don't care if you got to take fifty COVID injections. If you don't, we're gonna cut off your, uh, you know, food stamps." I'm like, Is that, that that's not that you know that's multipolarity for you." And and there's a segment of independent media that just is myopic. They don't want to talk about this, and I don't know what's going on with them, but it's 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 clear as they. Um, regarding multipolarity. And then, you know, you, you talk about false flag operations. I don't think we need to go into that. A lot of us are familiar with that. Uh, I think, you know, maybe that's more for people who aren't familiar with it. In, in your book, you, you you cover that. But this is a classic military strategy, false flag operations. And I think it's one of their most successful uh, strategies. But also the, the, the part about transhumanism, uh, you know, they talk about singularity, all the Ray Kurzweil's of the world, Elon Musk with his uh, brain computer interface uh, you know your thoughts as to what they're going for when it comes to this merging man with machine well um, I, I look at a lot of these agendas as part of an overall agenda I call the synthetic agenda and that is basically to take us away from the natural world and to keep introducing these artificial or synthetic things so it starts off with food we, we used to have natural food then it starts getting sprayed especially in the 1950s after World War II with all these pesticides and fertilizers that are chemicals. So then we start getting all these chemicals in our food that then go into our bodies and then they don't really break down, they get stuck in our bodies. Then we have the advent of actually genetically modified organisms. So the food is getting more and more synthetic. Um, they put fluoride in the water, so we start having chemicals in the water. They're doing geoengineering, so we're breathing in stuff. Um, and you know, some of it's heavy metals, but some of it's plastics um, It's that, that, don't, that don't really break down. Then there's all these um, chemicals in, um, personal care products or cleaning products that are in our house that get into our body. So all, all of this is kind of gradually making our bodies more synthetic. But then the agenda really starts coming out when you look at, okay, then they have um, uh, they all the plastic surgery that's done, whether it's women with breasts or Botox for lips or the other parts of the body. So this has been going on for a while. And then it really steps into another gear with the whole transgender agenda, where basically they're trying to make people into the opposite sex, which I believe is impossible because our sex is written into our biology. It's literally in the cells. Of, it's literally in all of our cells, um, whether it's an XX or an XY chromosomally. But there's other there's other ways that, that, that our gender is, is encoded into every cell of our body. So um, it's it's uh, yeah, it's it's basically part of, part of this making of the natural into the artificial. And then you can also see this with just the biopiracy that happens with big pharma because that's their business model. Their business model is oh. We discover something in nature that cures some disease. Let's take that. Let's isolate it to the point uh, or, you know, take it out of the plant where it comes from and basically change it enough to the point where we can get a patent on it. And then we own it. And then we can sell it back to the public 
in a little package for like a hundred times the price and um and no one else can touch our business and we, we you know we can do this for 25 or 50 years until it expires but then we you know they do it with something else but meanwhile the original one still exists and it often actually works better because it's it's how nature intended it it's it's there's other um factors in like the plant that work well together with this particular chemical so it's better you take the whole plant if you want the healing benefit not rather than just the isolated extract um but what they do is then they they tell people oh that's just that's just quackery that's just junk science if you think this plant can heal you you know so they they steal it from nature then they demonize the original source and they they, they try to sell it back to you it's it, it, so there's so many aspects for me of this synthetic agenda and so i see the culmination of it in actually trying to completely remove ourselves from our body they're trying to you know like in say the metaverse they're trying to get us to put these head headphones on and go completely into a digital world into another world uh removing ourselves from our, our body our heart our gut um getting us into the mind and then and then somewhere else and it's it's um i think it's a denial of our of our humanity and our biology um it's it's very dangerous and i think ultimately this idea that we can somehow capture our consciousness and um i don't know like be 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 immortal or whatever i think it's completely misguided and again i think it's a a ripoff of, of the natural state of things because um i know i know you're religious and i know there's probably going to be a lot of different opinions with your audience on this uh, my personal opinion is that we are souls or spirits that are just on a human journey and that the soul is infinite and that we already are immortal if you look at our soul our, our body will come and go but we already have this immortality in in terms of our soul and so to me this this whole attempt to to kind of gain immortality and and whatever upload our consciousness to the cloud is just a futile attempt to deny the fact that our body is one one day going to die yeah that agrees with the christian worldview as well that we are immortal the question just becomes after you die where will you end up and spend uh e eternity but i think what you said they're also trying to do some people have said they're trying to genetically modify humans so then you know we'll lose our rights because then we'll be owned by you know with the mrna injections and all this stuff i i see that as uh, plausible as well and i i agree with you i don't think it's not possible to do what they're doing to capture uh the consciousness i don't think there's no technology they can achieve that's something like supernatural that they, they cannot you know it's it's a it's futile it's a fool's errand this Ray Kurzweil who's like what 70 80 years old I, I read that he takes like 200 plus supplements daily to extend his life for as long as possible until 2030 2045 until the singularity happens um yeah I, I I don't think so and so um something you also touch on is the occult um you know this this Satanism uh this Gnosticism uh, and and this world religion because again as we're saying if they want world control they need a world they're going to have a world political system you're going to have a world military alongside that a world economic system we see that coming into being with the global currency and then the interlinking of the cbdc's together um they need a common global culture and religion and so we see them pushing all these religions to come together i've actually visited the headquarters of Lutzis Trust, formerly known as Lucifer Publishing Company. They got an office in New York, London, and Geneva. And I went to one of their meetings in Geneva in 2009. I still got the pamphlet somewhere in a box here with me. It talks about, and they openly say, Lucifer is the Messiah. Lucifer is the Christ. He's the Maitreya. He's the Mahdi to the Muslims. He's the Christ to the Christians. They say that he's here already. 
and Lutz's Trust is preparing for his return. And Lutz's Trust is an official UN NGO part of ECOSOC. And so, look, this, again, this is not conspiracy talk. I went to their freaking meeting. Yeah. I, there's someone to call me a conspiracy theorist. I got the proof. And so, um, and then you talk about Freemasonry and the Grand Architect. Again, once you study this stuff, you realize that the Grand Architect of Freemasonry is Lucifer. Uh, some of the higher level Freemasons actually talk about that, like Albert Pike and others. And so you, you, your thoughts on this occult dark aspect to, to all of this. Yeah, thanks for bringing that up. This, this is a super, super important part of it because, um, you, you know, basically what I've done in the book is I've tried to basically take people who know nothing about this and we'll start with just some of the obvious facts of like, Look what's happening in the world. The rich are getting richer, the poor are getting poorer. The middle class has been eviscerated. So we're, we're kind of separating out into two classes. Then I talk about the, the provable things, whether it's whistleblowers or activists who've released certain documents. And so then I kind of get into what we've already talked about, like multipolarity, World War Three, climate change, like all this stuff is very in your face. It's observable. It's not that hard to find out about. So, But what really interests me is just kind of going around the circle, but kind of going deeper and deeper and deeper, because beyond all of this, Yes, we do get down into what what is really behind all of this stuff. And my research has read me has led me to believe, and, and I believe the evidence is overwhelming that it's a satanic cult that's really running all of this. And when you see people in positions of power around the world, they're they're actually they get into those positions through their rank in the satanic hierarchy. And so we have a number of amazing whistleblowers who have been through some of them have been through absolute hell and survived. Um, people that have been part of satanic ritual, and often it's women. Um, they get brought up in, into these military families, or they get mind controlled and programmed from a young age. Then they're, they're groomed, they're made in, made to attend these satanic rituals. Some of them are even forced to um, participate in them and to become like you know uh, conduct them to lead them. Um, and and they do that until their programming kind of breaks down, and then they manage to escape and they live to tell the story. And so there's a number of women like this. So. There was Arizona Wilder who came out in the 19, uh, late 1990s, and David Icke did a video with her called Revelations of a Mother Goddess. I mean, she has incredible information to share. Kathy O'Brien is another one who deprogrammed. Um, there's a woman in Germany called Chantal Fry. Uh, there was Bryce Taylor who did a book called Thanks for the Memories. Her handler or programmer was Bob Hope, but also Henry Kissinger. Um, there's Fiona Barnett in Australia. I mean, and there's many more I, I, I could go into, and I, I do go into their stories in, in my book. But basically, they they all have a very very similar story, which was basically they got it, they got inducted or taken into this satanic world. They were forced to attend these rituals where horrific things happened. People were abused, tortured, raped, sacrificed. Um, there's blood drinking that's going on. There's eating of human flesh. There's the invocation of demons, de demonic possession. Uh, it even gets into some of them talk about. The reptilian influence and these people basically shape-shifting, assuming a reptilian form and then going back to a human form. This is all part of it. And I believe the evidence is really overwhelming for this, that this is this is what's really behind it. And the, the number of these women talk about having seen the exact same people at these rituals. And they mention Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton and George Bush and Henry Kissinger. And on the European side, Tony Blair, um, the British royal family. Plenty of times people have mentioned them. Um, uh, some of them mention other other presidents that have, that have been presidents of France or, or um, other European countries. Um, so, you know, if it is just one or two people that have said this, you might think, well, you know, 
it's hard it's hard to prove this maybe they're making it up it's not it's not it's not really like yeah i'm not sure but there there's so many people so many survivors that are that are describing the exact same thing talking about these rituals and a lot of them are naming the exact same names yeah i mean it's it's definitely there you know when i was in geneva i was around a lot of um elites they were freemasons they were referencing you know hg well hg wells you know all this elite stuff and um some of them we, we'd go out us students uh you know to bars and do what students do and some of the my my um classmates would get drunk and then the first they deny it when i would keep talking about this stuff and then once we were on a subway and one of the guys was drunk and he admits it, he's like all right you're right i'm a mason the new world order is true <laughs> you know and so um yeah that's definitely going on and, and let's get a little freaky here uh, i don't touch this subject often just um you know i'm i'm busy i can't do everything uh I'll, I'll, you know i did uh, ask her in uh or send a request to stephen greer never got back to me but you know the paranormal ufos i think one thing we can conclude is it, it is the ufo phenomenon is real now the question is what's it all about people talk about a a false flag alien invasion that's that's coming um you know I, i've mentioned this in passing before my view is that yeah early when i was looking at this stuff 20 years ago going down this rabbit hole i found you know jacques valet who i think he's still alive um and jay allen Hynek, who worked i think on Bluebeam in the 50s for the u.s government they both blue came what's it called blue book blue book um and yeah. they both came to the conclusion that the ufo phenomenon was not extra terrestrial but extra or interdimensional extra dimensional and that that gels with my christian worldview but you know I'm, I'm happy to hear just what what your take is on the whole ufo thing um and then it seems like the powers that be are somehow going to want to utilize it to complete construction of their world government so what, what's your take on everything to yes. do with ufos and aliens yeah, it's a big topic. Um, I, I also, I, I just go where the, where the evidence goes, where, where the evidence leads me. And so that's why I'm not afraid of talking about Satanism and the Satanic cult, because I believe that really is at the center of this. And it's important people understand that connection. And it's the same with extraterrestrials and UFOs. This is also a really important part of the New World Order to understand. So I, I look at um, whistleblowers such as Phil Schneider. Uh, he was a an engineer who was alive in the uh, 90s. Well, he came out and started speaking in the 90s and then he died mysteriously, but not after, not, you know, he, he, he actually spoke for a couple of years and we have great videos of him doing three, four hour long presentations. And he talks about um, not only kind of meeting these gray aliens that, that prop, you know, crop up in a lot of these UFO stories, um, but actually getting into a gunfight with them and getting wounded by them, uh, killing one of them. Um, he talks about how they they are basically everywhere in the deep underground military bases in the US and how they, they've already made contact with the government and the government is is hiding that from the people and they have secret, basically secret agreements and deals. And there are theories as to what those deals are. Um, some people say that the deal the the government made and it, 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 a lot of people point towards Eisenhower as, as having been the one that started this, um, make, making deals with them where we would get some of their technology in exchange for basically letting them experiment upon a segment of the human population. And, um, uh, you know, the story goes that, that Eisenhower made this deal, but then the aliens immediately broke the deal and they didn't, 
they abducted more people than they were meant to, or they, they didn't return the humans that they abducted or whatever. But uh, clearly there was already, there was kind of trust broken um, with this. So yeah, I mean, that, that crops up a lot in these stories. Um, it's, it's also another fascinating aspect behind the JFK assassination, because I've looked into that deeply. And yes, there were a lot of groups that wanted to kill JFK. There's no doubt about that. He, he really pushed back in a lot of ways. But it, it to me, based on the current evidence I've seen, the most compelling reason I think that they had to kill JFK was that he was going to tell the people, the, the American public, about the existence of these deals that they already have with aliens or the fact that the, the you know aliens were real, the UFOs were real. And and the ruling class just did could not could not tolerate that, and so they got rid of him before he had a chance to do that. I think I think there's really good evidence of that. Um, but basically, my my opinion, having looked at the evidence and having looked at all the testimonies of the um, existing alien abductees and contactees, are that the the aliens already have um, kind of come here. They've already they're already interacted with us, and that's been going on for a long time. Some some of them are already, like I said, um, have made deals with governments and are already working in deep underground military bases. Um, but I think um, the whole thing around this project Bluebeam, which is actually now coming more into public consciousness, and that was thanks to the research of a Canadian uh, journalist, Serge Monast. He he brought that up in the '90s, and he kind of brought it to attention, to people's attention, that basically the final the final straw after all these false flag operations was that they were going to pull the alien card and they were going to say, hey, watch out, we're being attacked by aliens. And that would be kind of the final straw um, before which there would be an actual world government set up. Because think about it. I mean, if they if they play that card, life is never going to be the same for the average person. There's no going back from that. That's kind of like the final thing. So they can do a lot of these other things of like attacking the Twin Towers on 9-11 and blaming it on Arabs or um, pulling off a fake pandemic or you know all these other false flag operations and they're getting more and more um, audacious with what they're doing um and and you know there's talk that there may be like a fake cyber attack there may be a fake asteroid attack but yeah the the alien one would, would probably be the last one because that would totally scare people i mean absolutely terrify a lot of people and you can imagine in that scenario that a lot of people would be willing to give give away their rights, give up their freedom, sign away their power to a world government to protect them from this alien force attacking them. So that that has been, I, I think, a legitimate plan of the ruling class for a while. Whether it will happen or not, I don't know, because I also believe that by us just having this conversation and bringing this out into the open and sharing this message with people and people educating themselves about it, it also lessens the effect of it if they do do it. So it, it, it changes what will happen in the future. Um, but having said all that, I I am of the opinion that this this plan for a fake alien invasion is actually still um, a cover for the real a alien invasion that's already happened because I think we already have been visited. I think they're already here in different ways, and I think I, I don't know when there's going to be you know when a mass consciousness level will, will will kind of arise over this, but I think just with the internet and the sharing of information, there are a lot more people now than there were 20 years ago that are aware of, of this possibility and are seriously contemplating it, investigating and researching it. And so I think there's already actually, you know, a reasonable amount of people that, that accept that aliens are real and they may already be here. Yeah. And what you said, you know, it's like the movie Prometheus um, for, again, for, for my worldview, I view these entities as, angels you know the bad angels or demons but um the thing as you say it would completely change 
the paradigm of everything. Uh, and I think like what, what the movie Prometheus shows is that um, then this would be used to discredit certain faiths or or religions because, as you said, the whole paradigm would shift globally. Um, and we've covered the waterfront. There's a lot more in your book. It's very long, uh, but it's you know it's a great introduction for someone just getting into this stuff or even. Um, uh, a veteran there's something for everyone in there you cite my professor in geneva alfred desias he's mentioned in the book ian davis who who's a guest on this podcast and contributes to geopolitics and empire so there's a lot in there and then um solutions so you know thoughts on what we do you you talk about health dr mercola who i'm a big, big fan of and i think others have said one of the most important things you can do is be healthy you know yeah. eat wells um Get a, get away from all this pollution, toxicity, uh, sleep, and, and just be healthy because the times that are coming are difficult. And so, um, you know, the thoughts on on what we can do, solutions, how to weather the storm, how to survive the algorithm ghetto, uh, and 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 so forth. Yeah. So I I spend the first half of the book laying out the problem and going deeper and deeper and and hopefully kind of leading people to understand the true the true depth of the situation which is really quite horrific and horrifying if you if, if you really grasp it of what what we're facing the depth the depth of evil we're facing the the, the psychopathic nature of this ruling class because they they don't they're not limited by empathy they they're, they're going to do whatever it takes genocide depopulation whatever it takes to to get set up their world government and um they they don't act like normal people. That's what we have to understand here. There's no limits on their behavior, really. So when we understand what kind of enemy we're facing, it is horrific, but we have to understand that in order to really know the full situation. And then it comes back to, all right, yes, what can we do about it? So uh, the solutions, I think, have to start with, um, I am, what, I've, what I've done is I've arranged them in the book according to planes, I, you know, levels or planes. So I start with the physical plane. That is taking care of your own body, being strong. You, you can't fight a new world order or you can't really do much if you're weak yourself. So that means looking after your health and that that comes down to different things. Yes, eating pure food, not GMOs, not um, junk food, um, having a good lifestyle, getting enough exercise, getting out in nature, uh, finding a good way to really stress, uh, taking care of your emotional and mental health as well, sleep, like all of that. I don't I don't need to go you know into that right here. I mean, that's that hopefully you know should be obvious to people. But it is important to 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 take care of yourself and to, to make yourself as strong as possible. So then we get into more um, other realms of like the, the mental realm of like, okay, where are you getting your information from? That's super important because luckily we still have a reasonably open internet, even with all the censorship. You do have the amazing ability to choose all these different sources. So read widely and broaden your perception. After all, this is really a war of perception. The ruling class is trying to get you to narrow your perception down and um, uh, the more the more you can kind of read and understand the world, the, the harder you're going to be to control. Um, in, in that chapter, I also get into just really questioning everything. Thinking critically and questioning everything is important. And for me personally, I'm of a libertarian voluntarist bent because I've seen the, hor the horror that's happened to humanity just in the 20th century by government. And I, I actually start the book off by talking about the concept of democide, about how the the government is responsible for more death of you know more murder of human life than any other kind of organization or entity and so i i really want people to think about 
what kind of world do we want to live in? Do we need government even at all? And if, if so, what, what kind of government? But for me, I, I, I really like the work of Larkin Rose, who's a, a very well-known libertarian or voluntarist. And he talks about how this belief in authority is, is one of the big problems. Because if, if you look at how most of the evil has been carried out, uh, say, just in the last hundred years, it's from people saying yes and following orders and obeying orders rather than saying, no, I'm not going to do that. Because with these, with these ruling class power-hungry control freaks, there's never enough of them for them to carry out all their plans unless they recruit the masses to be their foot soldiers, to be their policemen or henchmen or military or whatever. It's the people that are, that are following them that are going along with it that make it possible, that make these atrocities possible. And so I know this may be a bit far out for some of your uh, listeners, but um, to me, I, I would really like to see people consider, just think about how could we set up organizations, communities, societies, maybe even countries, maybe even the world, in a way where there is it's still an organized humans interact in an organized fashion, but without the need for a central authority. Because once we start centralizing power, that's when, in my view, things tend to go wrong. We tend to basically start abdicating our responsibility and and hoping that whatever this central thing we make will just take care of it. And then this central thing gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, just like in the United States. It was, only, it was a, you know, the founders envisaged it as a limited central government with limited powers. Well, look what the United States has become. I mean, it's become the most imperial government in the history of the world. And yet it was, it was set up explicitly to be a limited government where the states would actually have more power than the federal government. Well, unfortunately, it didn't really work out like that. So, you know, just considering these questions of can we even really set up a government and expect it to remain limited? How how do we even hope to achieve that? How can we how can we make it stay limited? Is, is that even possible? Or if it's not possible, how can we set things up so that we don't have chaos, but we have anarchy, like a, a, a society without a ruling class or without rulers, but where things still function, there's still ways for people to resolve disputes peacefully. There's still ways for us to self-organize without needing this centralized power that just seems to kind of grow and grow and grow no matter what we do yeah speaking of larkin rose um he wrote the 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 script for the movie jones plantation which i happily purchased and 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 viewed fantastic movie starring a legal man who i had on this podcast a couple years back and i've had him on tnt radio recently to discuss his role in the in the film and i'm having the director of larkin's uh jones plantation on tnt radio next week andrew treglia i believe is his last name who also stars in the Beautiful. movie so yeah I, yeah I loved i loved the concept of that film and i love the film it was brilliantly done uh, i just watched it a few weeks ago myself so yeah that's great i didn't i didn't know that you um had that that's that's wonderful but yeah so i, I do talk a bit about larkin's work in my book and about how we really need to be questioning these inner beliefs because we are creating the world through our beliefs and also through our unresolved emotional trauma. So this is this is what I get get into in some of the deeper solutions. Just like the first half of my book covers like the the more obvious problems, and it gets deeper and deeper into what the real problems are. Same with the solutions. And so I want to encourage people after we've gotten through the more obvious solutions um, to kind of dig a little bit deeper and realize we are responsible for creating the world that that we live in, in, in on a number of different ways, but also through what we're projecting out into the world. So if we have these unresolved wounds like father or mother wounds and we're expecting uh, the government to be kind of like our mother, like a nanny state, or, or we expect the government to be like a, 
a dictatorial, brutal father because that's what we grew up with. This is this is what we 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 feed with our thoughts and our unconscious um, kind of beliefs, and then this this projects onto a government and creates it. And so we have to take a look at look at this and see what inner work and spiritual work we can do to to clear up our own attitudes, beliefs, unresolved pain, trauma, etc., so that we're not projecting it out into the world and, and and kind of unconsciously creating what we don't want to create. Yeah, and you know it's interesting you mentioned libertarian. Uh, your interview follows my most recent interview with Dr. Ron Paul, uh, and so that's uh, you know very cool. And you know, any we, we've covered a lot. Your book is massive. You got uh, you've been on my TNT show as well. Hopefully, you join me there again. Any final thought? And of course, your links will be are in the description. But um, wh where would you recommend people best uh, follow your work? So my main website is thefreedomarticles.com. That's where I, I post my videos these days. Um, I also have a Rumble and an Odyssey channel. You can catch my videos there. Um, yes, I would love it if people go out and purchase the book. I just poured seven years of my life into it, Break Your Chains, Exposing the Grand Conspiracy and Presenting the Way Out. It's available as an ebook or a paperback. And I believe it's got a very important message for humanity. Um, I've, I've laid it out with tons of evidence and research so that uh, people that are skeptical can can understand you know what the evidence and information is um, laying out the problems and then presenting the solutions for people all right makia freeman thank you for being on geopolitics and empire yeah really appreciate it thank you i hope you enjoyed this geopolitics and empire podcast the website is geopoliticsandempire.com and i encourage you to sign up for the free email list that goes out with each podcast and every weekend with a collection of news headlines the newsletter and website are our last lines of defense we're being censored and deplatformed it's nearly impossible to find geopolitics and empire on the google search engine we've been blacklisted YouTube frequently takes down our videos with strikes, Facebook restricts our page, Reddit and Twitter take down posts, and after the Associated Press mentioned geopolitics and empire in a 2021 article co-written with NATO, our Patreon account was terminated. Vimeo also terminated our Pro account. The best free way to help geopolitics and empire is to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or elsewhere and subscribe to all of our media channels. You can find the video broadcast now on five platforms, Odyssey, Rockfin, Rumble, BitChute, and Brighteon. You can find the audio broadcast on the podcast ecosystem, SoundCloud, Apple, Spotify, and so on. My current favorite social media channels are Twitter and Telegram, but you can also find us on Gab, MeWe, Minds, Float, VK, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Finally, Geopolitics and Empire is in dire need of funding to continue. You can leave a donation, purchase a consultation with the host, or become a member to receive additional benefits. We also produce a weekly broadcast called Dissident Thinker for members and Rockfin subscribers only. We will continue to fight the good fight come hell or high water. Thank you for listening.